And you look at the roster and what we have in the coaching staff, we should win games. We have to perform, though. We're going to hold ourselves to a high standard no matter what happens. And the defense is going to do what they do. And last time I heard, they can't win if they don't score points. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Your chance to get an in-depth preview of the week ahead in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. your hosts, Kim Carmen and Gerard Cherry. You blink, and it's already week four, and your Cleveland Browns are 2-1 and one as they head to Atlanta, the capital of college football. But the NFL, it beckons on Sunday afternoon as your Cleveland Browns take on the Atlanta Falcons. Good evening, friends. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry. It is the Cleveland Browns preview show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. Gerard, good evening, friend. Good evening, Kenneth. Wonderful to hear your voice. Away we go with four downs. First down. All right, things first, Gerard. Browns improved to 2-1, and one, a 29-17 win over Pittsburgh on Thursday night football. The importance of getting that win, especially after what happened just a few days earlier versus the Jets. It can't be understated, can it? No, it cannot be because when you think about the loss of the Jets and how that could be demoralizing, then you follow it up with another loss to a heated rival, it just compounds the situation, and it's so hard to get over a loss to begin with. But if you have one that's back-to-back in close proximity as well as losing to your rival, that's not a good recipe. And from the big scheme of things, you have to win your division. Those games are so precious. That's the best way to assure that you're going to be in the playoff rounds by winning games that are in your division. So that was a pivotal victory for us, considering everything that was going on, especially coming off that heartfelt loss against the New York Jets. Should have said it can't be overstated. It's just so exciting that it threw my rods and cones off. That's how great it was to get that win. The offense looked really good, and so did Jacoby Brissett. He continues to impress. 220 yards, two touchdowns, no picks in that game. The playmakers showed up under the bright lights. Nick Chubb, David Njoku, Amari Cooper. What would you think of all the weapons on the offensive side of the football here over the first three games of the season, including last Thursday night? Well, what I love what I'm seeing is you have four guys that are really the focal point right now of our offense. You could probably throw Harrison Bryant in there, but he wasn't that active on Thursday night. And that you have Nick, you have Kareem, you have Amari, you have David finally really get involved in the passing game not primarily being used as a blocker and that's a formula i believe for success jacoby Brissett is taking what the defense gives him jacoby Brissett is making sound decisions and also on top of that he and kevin stefanski seem to be in an excellent great rhythm in which they trust each other they're communicating well and kevin is setting him up for great success and when you have that dynamic working for you ken you can get a lot of things done especially if the head coach is the offensive slash coordinator as well so i love what i'm seeing from a scheme standpoint and you have to love and be pleasantly surprised of what you are getting out of jacoby Brissett at the qb position can you take us inside the huddle defensively still a few hiccups they were better in the second half we'll Certainly. talk about that a little bit but 12 guys on the field i think it happened three times last thursday what leads to that are guys pressing a little bit too much in that secondary I wouldn't call it pressing. I just call it just call it what it is. It's just pure communi- poor communication and not paying close attention to detail. 
Really? You realize this guy's out there, this guy's out there. Communicate. Hey, I'm out here for the nickel. I'm out here for the dime. I'm out here in this big linebacker package. I'm out here for this defensive rush package. It's really an issue of communicating and not being stuck in the mode of, well, yeah, do your job. There's something to be said about that. You have to do your job. But there's also something about looking beyond yourself and not being myopic and thinking it's just about you. How is this going to impact the team? And if I'm running on the field late or if I all of a sudden I'm not paying attention, this is when these type of things occur. But you're definitely right that there was some hiccups here and there, but definitely I've seen improvement out of defense as the season has progressed. How do you go about making those adjustments? We talk about halftime, but really the adjustments happen during the game. Second half, you give up 14 first-half points in the second half, only three. I know it was tighter than what people wanted it to be. Instead, you had that touchdown that you got defensively right at the end of the football game that made it 29-17. But defensively, a lot of good things happened for you in the second half. What adjustments did you see them make? I really just saw them doing more pressure from the linebackers getting involved with the blitz package. Just to be frank with you, Miles was getting double and triple teamed, and the other guys, Wright and company, have to obviously step up and do their part and get some pressure as well, and you weren't getting that. So when you started blitzing, Phillips came in on a couple times, and that set him behind the sticks, and you started seeing the defense do more from a pressure standpoint, that that made the difference in getting the Pittsburgh Steelers off the football field and frustrating them. And you had tighter coverage from the secondary as well. So as the game progressed, definitely got better from a defensive standpoint, obviously, because they were doing three and out, three and outs, and three and outs. And when you're doing three and outs and three and outs, that's helping the cause, especially when you're giving our offense back to football. Time for second down. Second down. Now it's on to this week and the story of this week, Miles Garrett's scary car accident. The good news, he and the female passenger in the car are going to be okay. Now the question is whether or not he can play on Sunday. Here's a statement from EVP of Football Ops and General Manager Andrew Barry. First quote, first and foremost, importantly, we're thankful that Miles, his passenger, and no other parties were seriously injured in the single car accident yesterday. After medical evaluation today, our team doctors at University Hospitals have concluded that Miles has sustained a shoulder sprain, bicep stra- strain, minor lacerations, as well as some bumps and bruises to various other body parts. Miles didn't suffer any fractures and has also cleared concussion protocol. Currently, our focus is on providing Miles the medical care needed for him to return to football activity. Although we hope to have him back soon, his availability for Sunday's game in Atlanta will be evaluated by team doctors throughout the week. End quote. Miles did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, his teammates did speak about him today, said great things about Miles Garrett. A uh, lot of conversation about Miles. It, it, it's a touchy situation, Gerard. You know, we don't want to speculate a whole lot. Probably better safe than sorry in this case. It is a long season. He is your pro bowler on the defensive side. Certainly, and and it's completely understandable if Miles Garrett does not suit up this Sunday or next Sunday or whenever. When you have situations where it could be life-threatening or make you really go through something that's traumatic in the sense of having a car crash, which is what it represents, it makes you think about things. And when you play a sport like football, you definitely are putting yourself in harm's way to play the sport. So it can serve as a escape. It can also serve as a reminder of how fragile life can be. So I get all those emotions and I understand completely that, if hey, if he can't go, he can't go. But if he can go, great. Go out there and represent and do what you're capable of doing. So for me, I'm an open book on it, just like I'm sure everyone else involved in this situation is, that hoping to let them put, but the best for Miles and that he has a speedy recovery. 
Yeah, Kevin Stefanski was asked about it today. Obviously, he wasn't going to say anything about it. It's only Wednesday. We probably won't get anything really answered here until over the next couple of days, if not maybe even Sunday morning by the time the Browns get ready to suit up against the Atlanta Falcons. On to third down. Third down. Not just Miles Garrett, but the injuries are taking their toll, getting ready for Sunday's game. A lot of guys up in the air. The following guys did not practice on Wednesday. Jadevion Clowney with an ankle injury. Taven Bryant, the defensive tackle with a hamstring injury. Linebacker Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo with a hamstring injury. And cornerback Denzel Ward with his back and ribs. What injury concerns you the most? Jeremiah Wusukoromoa is on this list as a hamstring injury. I wanted to check against the official report. The official report says groin. It is a right. groin where he did not practice. Right, and I'm going to go with JOK. And you're saying, why are you going with JOK? Well, Marcus Mariota can run around. He can make things still happen out of the inside the pocket, outside the pocket, and he's actually playing pretty good football from what I've seen thus far. And people are like, hey, wasn't that a forgotten man? Didn't do anything with the Raiders. Got kicked out of Tennessee. He's playing some good football for the Atlanta Falcons. I know their record may not speak to that, but they've been putting up almost 27 points a game. I mean, they had one game where they did 27, and another game they did 27, and the last one they got to only 26. So they're scoring points. So for me, you need a guy like JOK around to get involved. And also, Corderell Patterson? This guy, Ken, is not jumping yeah. around from the running back position, though he has a wide receiver number. And so you need a guy like JLK in the middle who can go sideline to sideline and enforce his will from a linebacker standpoint. So I really think his presence is definitely going to be missed. Well, he, he was the biggest offensive weapon of the week last week, and there and, I, and I'm talking in the entire NFC. Right, he got and the, uh, win the against player the of the Seattle week award. Seahawks. Yeah, he, and their win against the Seahawks, they won 27-23. It was a big thanks to Cordell Patterson where he's become – Arthur Smith, now the second-year head coach with the mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons, Gerard, he, he's become uh, their version of Debo Samuel over there <laughs> right. in Atlanta. But they don't really use him that much for the passing game. But the interesting thing about him, Ken, for a wide receiver, and I get it, he used to re- – I mean, he still returns kicks, and he was a great kick returner. He just runs with a certain type of power. He's a big dude on top of that, six foot two, 220-plus pounds, so – this is going to be an interesting matchup. Now, granted, Najee Harris is a very physical back, but I think even with Cordell, he brings a Cordell, he brings a different element to it than more speed involved with it. So it's going to be an interesting match. See how we match up with that physical running game that they're going to bring to the table. Well, that word right there brings us right to fourth down. Fourth down. Uh, speaking about those Falcons, they're one and two, but they've played three close games. Their first two games that they lost were very close, both to the Saints and the defending champion L.A. Rams. They got that win over in Seattle on Sunday. I mean, this is a tougher team than what people thought they were going to be. Kyle Pitts has played very well. Drake London's been good. Mm-hmm. On the defensive side, they've had Michael Walker fly into the football on the defensive side for the Falcons. So this is going to be a tough test. I, I, I think we could see... Uh, a lot of heavy dose of running with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on Sunday, but a little bit more ball control like we've seen just with these first three weeks with the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, Gerard. And you're absolutely right. People maybe, and Nick, again, preseason, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, this is a must. This is a gimme win. This is a gimme win. This is a gimme win. And I admit, I was doing the same thing as well. Well, I've watched the Falcons a few times now, and I tell you, despite the 1-2 record, they basically gave that Saints game away. They were leading a significant amount, and then the defense just let the Saints get back into it. But with that being said, Ken, they are huge up front on the defensive line. They got dudes weighing 350 pounds. For example, nose tackle Anthony Rush. This dude is massive, like 6'5", 6'8", 350. And then you have the outside, you have Grady Jarrett. 
He's yep. massive for defensive end. So it's going to be very interesting to see how more of our power slash finesse game goes against these big bodies, and can we push and move these guys around like we've done everybody else. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then when you look on the offensive side of the ball, they got playmakers. That line they got picks. Well. Yeah. That line is always moving. It, it is a it is a lot of 11 guys. They don't just stand there and pass pro and kind of step back behind them. The line is always moving. They It, it looks a lot. I tell you, it is a little bit reminiscent of the Browns offensive line, just from a layman's point of view mm-hmm. here. I know we're kind of getting nitty-gritty. A lot of guard movement there in pass pro where they'll kind of swing some guys around and throw a couple of different looks in pass pro. A lot of different movement there from the guards. So, Gerard, I think you're right. A, a lot of different looks. The Browns got their work cut out for them on Sunday, buddy. Yeah, Definitely. they certainly do. It's going to be a competitive Definitely. game in my opinion. Very competitive. Be a part. Of, absolutely. Be part of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member wait list today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Coming up in a bit, we'll go around the league. Also, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, will join us. Up next, I go one-on-one with Browns wide receiver Amari Cooper. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns kicker K. George. This is Browns quarterback Jacoby Brissett. This is John Johnson, and you are listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Back to Bria, Ken Carmen, alongside of Gerard Cherry, the Cleveland Browns preview show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Browns getting set for Sunday and a road trip to Atlanta where they take on the Falcons. And to talk about it, we welcome in Amari Cooper. Amari, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Three games into the season, how's it been so far with the Browns? It's been cool. You know, I think everything is going well. I think um, we're playing well. Uh, We just want to build off of what we've established so far and continue to get better each and every week. Are you tired of answering questions from media about route running yet? (laughs) Nah, nah, I never get tired of answering questions about route running. So take me behind the science of a proper route. Um, just depends on what route you're running. You just want to um, obviously perfect the route. It's a lot that goes into it, obviously. Um, that's why they call it a science or art. Um, but at the end of the day, to give a concise explanation, you just want um, to make the DB think you're running a route that you're not running. I've never seen hands like that. Can I see your hands? Can you stick your hands out for a second, Amari? I know that's a weird question. Can you turn them over for a second? How do you keep your fingernails so trim like that? So trim, what you mean? I've never seen any player. They're perfect. What you mean? Your fingernails are perfect. Oh, nah. My f- so, well, I never heard that before. People just always say my nails are long, but it's because they grow so fast. Like, they grow extremely fast. So, like, if I cut them, you know, two weeks later, they'll be they'll be back long, and then I'll forget to cut them. And, I'm, I'm, and so I'm used to them being long. I think other guys are used to their, their fingernails being short, but I'm actually used to them being long. So when I do cut them and I'm, like, on my phone or I'm, like, trying to open a piece of candy or something like that, like, when they're short, it just feels weird. So I'm used to them being, like, long. Every player I know, like every athlete, basketball, football, baseball, they they bite their nails. You don't have any urge to bite your nails? No, nah, I don't bite. I, I don't bite my nails. Nah. Mm. No. A man who believes in good grooming and good hygiene, I take. Not. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I don't. I don't. I don't groom the nails. They, so they grow, and they just grow like this. I don't, I don't get. So you're saying they they look 
groomed? I don't know. I've just never seen fingernails so perfect in my life. I've doing this a long time. I've never seen fingernails so nice. I, I guess. Man. I don't even know what to say. I mean, you know, like when something is normal to you but abnormal to somebody else, then I don't know. Oh, they're not abnormal. They're just perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite route to run? My favorite route to run is a post, a big post route. Uh, just don't really get to run it a lot in a league. What do people not know about you that you want them to know about you? I can't think of something that I want people to know about me that they don't know about me. can't really think of anything. What's the differences in playing with Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Jacoby Brissett? Can you tell us a little bit about each? Yeah, they're all different and unique uh, in their own way. Um, I would say Derek Carr was the first quarterback I played with in the league. He's, like, really a perfectionist. Like, he's a guy who's going to know the game plan better than the offensive coordinator. He's going he's gonna to know the game plan better than the head coach. Um, he's going to be full, fully prepared. He's going to know everything like the back of his hand. Um, and, and, and that's just the way he, he is. He's a perfectionist. Um, then you have, you have Dak Prescott. He's going to will his way to a win. Like uh, He's a guy who's like the hardest worker on the team. Um, fully confident in his skill set. Confidence is through the, root, through the roof in his approach to the game. And like I said, he's going to will his way to a win. Um, Jacoby, he's more, um, his, his best trait is communication. Like, he, uh, he, he goes into the game and it's communication. Like, he, he, commu- he, he has that communication with the running back. He has that communication with the line. He has that communication with the receivers. And so it, him and every other position, it, they're all on the same page. So those are those guys' best traits, in my opinion. In college, did you play in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium or did you play in the old Georgia Dome? Um, I, ooh, no, I believe I played there. Yeah, I played there. I played there. I mean, you're not you're not old, so I'm like I don't want to age you or anything like that. It's like it's been around for a few years. Yeah, you're still a young guy, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I played in the um. Yeah, I played there my freshman year. What's it like to play there? It's cool, man. It's it's cool. I played there a couple times. I I like playing there. Um, great environment. It, it feels like a a top tier NFL game when you play there, you know, you feel like um, the 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 just the environment, the aura. It's a it, it's a great place to play for sure. Amari Cooper joining us on the show. What is a Nick Saban practice like? Hard, <laughs> hard, long. Um, you got your work cut out for you, uh, definitely. But I mean, you so you young, you know, you eighteen, nineteen. That's all you. That's all you do anyway. You just run around, um, and then you have those dreams and aspirations of getting to the NFL. So you're gonna do whatever it takes, and um, I think it's good um, mentally too to have those hard practices when you can, like when you when you can when you're a young player like that, because it it not only prepares you for the game, but I think it prepares you for the real world too. Are you still close with the Alabama program, or is it such a machine you're just kind of doing your own thing? Um. Well, I haven't been. I've only been back to graduate. Um, just really, I won't say that I didn't. I, I never have time, but I just never. I just want when I do go back, I want it to be nostalgic. You know, I don't want to be. I don't want to be a guy who goes back every single year. Um, and I think I can motivate the players just through the way that I play. You know, because I know a lot of guys. Obviously, all the all the great players that come out of Alabama, a lot of the guys who are current players there, they look up to them. You know what I mean? 
and I think I could just motivate those guys through how I play and stuff like that because I know they're always looking. Um, but I do want when I go back, I want it for it to be nostalgic. So that's why I don't really go back like that. Mari Cooper joining us on the show. What's your degree? What did I get my degree in? Yeah, yeah criminal justice. What are you going to do after this? Nothing in criminal justice. <laughs> uh, I plan on, um, well, I own a lot of uh, real estate, so I plan on, um, you know, continuing to do that. I might uh, move into other uh, other, other, other um, areas of real estate. Right now, I'm just a landlord with a lot of properties. Um, but, you know, maybe when I'm done playing halftime for, like, development and, you know, commercial real estate and stuff like that. Um, and then also, uh, I want to m- turn my brand, Route Runners, into something that's uh, big and ref- revolutionary. We're working on a lot of things, and I plan, I plan on it being like you know, with the likes of Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. That's my plan for that. So I think um, those two things will oc- occupy my time when I'm done playing. Can you tell me more about Route Runners? Uh, yes, sir. Um, you know, it's something that I started. I always knew I would start some type of business and brand. I just didn't want to start a brand because I wanted to start a brand if that makes sense. So I wanted to allow it to come to me. Uh, when I think when I read Shoe Dog, Phil Knight's book it, it really came to me because he uh, he was talking about how he was on a long run, run one time. Him being a track athlete after he had graduated from Oregon and it just came to him that he wanted to make running shoes and then that's when it all just clicked for me. You know, I'm a route runner you know what I mean? Why not um, why not in an innovative way, you know make uh, football stuff for athletes like uh, cleats, gloves, um, and other stuff, too. We're working on a lot of other stuff. We have patents uh, for headphones and stuff like that. Just just um, um, innovative things that make an athlete's life better and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm really serious about and passionate about, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll see um, how it turns out. What are your personal goals for this year? Got a lot of personal goals. Um, you know, you're not really supposed to share those personal goals specifically, but I would say, um, you know, to sum to sum up my personal goals, I would just say, um, just taking advantage of all the opportunities, playing to my fullest potential. Like every time I step out on the field, every play that's called for me, you know, every time the ball is thrown to me, I want to catch it if it's a catchable ball. You know what I mean? And I, that to me, that's maximizing your potential. I don't want to leave no stone unturned. I want to, you know, after the season is over, say, hey, I um, I played to my potential, and um, every time the team needed me to make a play, I I did to the best of my ability. What's a question you like answering? Mm, I like a- a- answering questions about route running. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured you'd be tired of that by now because it seems like every when I when they go, hey, who you who you talking to? I was like, I'm talking to Omari Cooper today. They're like. Ask him about route running. I'm like, everybody asks him about route running. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, everybody does. But I guess it's just something that something that you, that you I don't really get tired of answering for real. Yeah. yeah. Is it something that guys get lazy with for whatever reason? Route running? Yeah. I wouldn't say it's something that guys get lazy with. I would say it's something that um, just uh, a lot of guys haven't mastered. You know, just because you're a receiver don't mean don't mean you're you're a good route runner, because um, that's that's really like it's an aspect, probably the most important aspect of receiver, but it's not the only way that you can be a good receiver, though. Let me ask you one layman question, because I okay, like I do, yeah, I know, I I I host sports talk, right? And one thing callers call in with, they're like, okay, if it's third and seven and the sticks are right there, why don't they run eight yards and turn? 
okay, why don't you run eight yards and turn? On what you mean, just like on? If it's third and seven, and like say you run an out, and say like, well, like I'll get a call and they'll go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you see how you would think that that's a common sense thing to do? Well, defensive coaches and players know that too. So like on third and seven, um, instead of just playing the receiver, a lot of times they play the receiver, but they also play the sticks. That's what they call it. They play the sticks. So they're very flat-footed. It's just like red zone defense. The cornerbacks know that, hey, I can't run a go ball because I'll run out of the end zone. So they play more flat-footed and they're just waiting for you to stop. You know what I mean? So they actually have the advantage in that situation because if I'm running full speed and I stop, it takes me a couple of steps to stop. But if they're playing flat-footed, they could just break on the ball. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there are plays where you do do that, but uh, you you never really want to give away what you're doing. So, obviously, um, it's like chess. You know, you got to be three steps ahead. How heavy are you? Uh, 6'1", 225. So you're 225. So say you run, say it's like third and seven, and you run five yards on an out. Am I hoping you get the extra two yards then? Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's that's something that offense is playing on too, like, you know, check downs and underneath routes, banking on guys to actually run and get the, um, the first down. And it's been very evident um, throughout the league that uh, it could be like third and seven or eight, like you said, and the ball could be thrown like, four yards but the guys go and get the first down you gotta understand like this is what guys are paid to do you know after the catch and stuff like that so um yeah that's that's definitely an aspect of uh converting on third down can't believe i've interviewed so many wide receivers and you're the first one i've asked that question it's been irresponsible of me amari we thank you very much for the time all the best hi thank you appreciate it amari cooper joining us in the player spotlight when we come back gerard and i will take you around the league you're listening to the university hospitals cleveland browns radio network win lose or draw if you don't play the standard there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team and we're all trying to work to those goals this is the cleveland browns preview show you're listening to the university hospitals cleveland browns radio network here are your hosts ken carmen and gerard cherry Fans, make sure you mark those calendars for Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer, the first ever outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium on February 18th, as the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry coming up in a bit, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan. But first, Gerard, it's time you and I go around the league. Question the first. If you were putting together an NFL team power rankings, would you have the Eagles and Dolphins both 3-0 and as the top two teams in the NFL, this is gonna sound peculiar, but no, I would definitely I have the Eagles at number one. Ah, but I cannot quite put the Dolphins there yet. I and this is the sad part about it. this is why it's really peculiar. They hmm. just beat the Bills, but I for some reason think if the Bills were healthier, and they would win, they would win that game. So I'm still not ready to crown the Dolphins quite yet, and I'm not giving them enough respect because two is playing out of his mind. But there are some things I can nitpick at, but. No, they'd be well. number three for me. Number three. So who'd be number two for you guys again? The Bills? I'd leave the Bills you keep the Bills? Yeah. Wow, I'd you're like a college are. football voter. Right. Picking the SEC. <laughs> ah, they lost, but they're still better. That's so, right. Yeah. right. Competition. Oh, level competition. Yeah. They weren't healthy, yeah. Um, you know, the Eagles. I like the Eagles. I I actually agree with you a little bit about the 
I'm putting the Dolphins number two because they're three and zero, and I think they deserve it. But I I do. <sighs> I had this conversation earlier today, like back in was it 2000? Yeah, when the when the Steelers started eleven and zero. Uh huh. Every week, I'm going. There's warts there. Mm-hmm. There's warts there, and people, Ken, you're a hater. Ken, <laughs> stop hating. You're hating. You're a hater. You're not being realistic. You just it's it's Pittsburgh, and you hate Pittsburgh, and you're being no guys. There's warts there. I'm telling you, I'm watching them every week. When they lose, they're going to lose bad. I go, this is not a Super Bowl team. This is team that's going. This team that's going to get. I said they're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to get beat in the playoffs, and they got beat in the playoffs. Did they not? I don't see the same thing with Miami, but I agree with you because I don't they see have them going? as the dominant presence that some people are making them out to be. I think that a lot of people like Mike McDaniel, and I do think they've carried around a bit of a horseshoe. the 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 Ravens' defense is garbage so far, and uh, but but I but I they're number two. They're they're number two in the league to me. That's that's and, what I give and, them. And here's the thing, though, with, it's really the, good. with the lack thereof of a running game, if they get that. Along with this passing attack that they got going on, yeah. then okay, I'm going to have to reconsider what I'm saying because the defense has been doing what they need to do for the most part. And then when you look at what special teams is doing, other than the butt kick, <laughs> everything is going pretty good for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, again, I'm not trying to rip them. I'm not trying to be petty. I'm not even trying to say there's a bunch of warts there. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is they're number two, and I think they're number two with a bullet. That's the only thing I'm trying to point out here. Second question on the same note. Which of the following would you rank number 32? Houston, Carolina, the Washington football team, or Seattle? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I'm going to actually go with, though they've won a game, and <laughs> they all have won a game, actually. There's no one that's, except for the Raiders. I'm going to say, for some reason, I give Houston no respect. So I'm going to make them 32, and I'm going to make the Commanders 31. And then I probably round it out with next being the Panthers. They're what they're already watching a uh, a um what was it today a quad in, I think it was a quad injury for Christian McCaffrey. Oh, there you go. And I said I, I, I'm sitting there thinking that might drop Christian them McCaffrey. at thirty two. <laughs> yeah, I'm th- I, well, I was sitting there thinking the same thing. I go if he goes down, that's a wrap. I go I'll see you at the draft. I mean that's it. So hey, it it was a rough. They won and it was a rough outing. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna say Houston then Washington. Seattle, I don't know. Seattle started nah, off nah, rough. They're not bad. I mean, they almost. I, I mean, they almost rough against, beat the Falcons. Yeah, they start off rough against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gamers. I'll put them. I mean, they're definitely towards the bottom, but I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna put them at, at the bottom. I'm gonna put Houston at the bottom, though. How do you feel about Tampa Bay slash Kansas City on Sunday Night Football being played in Minneapolis? Tampa Bay and Kansas City being played in Minneapolis. It could happen due to Hurricane Ian or well, Ian, I, I, depending on. You know, CBS or Fox, depending on which, how you want to say it. I was thinking how funny it would be unless the Saints and the Saints are in London, so it's not like they couldn't use it. Why not just have them play? Why not have them play somewhere like I, in the South? Some in close proximity would be my thought, as opposed to going way up north, because to me that just is like out of the way. But what do I know? Didn't they have Didn't they have a Dolphins game once at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge? I don't Back recall. in the day. Who knows? I mean, they had uh, uh, yeah. some of Her- Hurricane Andrew during that time, probably. Yeah, one of them, yeah, mm. I thought. What's the main reasons the Raiders are 0-3, final one? 
Uh, I think too much pressure on the idea we got to give Adams the ball. <laughs> I think that's just kind of get, they're out of sync right now. And on top of that, they wait till the last minute to come back in these games or they blow the lead. So they're just not in sync right now. I think they can get their act together, though. Browns fans, be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate, located on the west side of First Energy Stadium, combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music and food and drink options. Twisted Tea Tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Coming up next, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry, the Cleveland Browns Preview Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Browns taking on Atlanta down in Atlanta. But if you're going to the game coming up next Sunday, well, get to First Energy Stadium quicker on game days with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate plus each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win Browns autographed merchandise. Go to the Tickets tab at the Browns mobile app to learn more. That's the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app. Gerard, uh, you have Jacob Phillips, who is filling in admirably at the linebacker spot because a lot of guys, even in this win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, went down on this defense. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa got hurt, and then the big injury with Anthony Walker, the quad injury. Right. Uh, very, very difficult. The guy's been such a leader. Ha- did a lot of talking for the defense last year to the media, and that was a very tough season, you know, 8-9 last year. Browns didn't get where they needed to go, and, and we did. he was on a one-year contract. We didn't know where Anthony Walker would be in 2022 they re-sign him for 2022 and that's such an unfortunate injury against pittsburgh last thursday but jacob phillips comes into that football game gets seven tackles in the win he's a guy that they've been very excited about 16 games so far in his young career if it weren't for the bicep injury last year where do you think he could be in 2022 talking about jacob of course right well the key part is obviously staying healthy and that's been an issue for jacob and then he's had moments where Okay, you gotta you gotta come in and make impact. They definitely want to see you on the football field and take advantage of those opportunities. And you never want to see your opportunity brought about due to the fact that someone got injured. But it's all about stepping up when your name is called. And to his credit, he did just that because he had some pivotal plays in the Pittsburgh Steelers game on Thursday night and how he yeah. made a sack and just helped do his part to get the defense off the field and put the ball back in the hands of the offense. And I'll say this, Ken, he is going to be challenged like he's never been challenged before this upcoming week because he's going to face. A downhill running wide receiver slash running back who runs with power and conviction is one of the top rushers right now in the National Football League. So he going into this game just needs to get his mind right with the idea that I'm going to be physical, that I'm going to make plays and build upon and offer what he did Thursday night. Obviously, you don't want to loom and just continue to think about a game, but it's all about getting confidence, and he had to have built some confidence based on how he played Thursday night. That was very encouraging, what we saw out of him in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, we've been so encouraged by Nick Chubb and how well he's been able to do this year. I mean, goodness, Nick Chubb has four touchdowns on the ground, averaging 5.5 per carry. But Cordero Patterson, who just a couple of years ago, and I'm not trying to be mean-spirited, not trying to be nasty at all, but his career was – 
nearly left for dead as a wide receiver. Right, Arthur Smith brings him in. Yeah, right. Arthur Smith brings him in and turns him into a, a, a hybrid wide receiver, but really a running back in a lot of ways. He's got 52 uh, receiving yards so far this year. And, and a guy who, going back to this year, uh, is able to average four uh, four yards a carry and already has six touchdowns. So uh, has done a fantastic job so far throughout this year. Yeah, I, I've been impressed. When you watch his, his big runs, the thing that stands out to you is that this dude is taking on contact and he's running by guys as well. And you're saying to yourself, this normally is not the mentality of a wide receiver, but the thing you can't forget with him is that he also was a kick return guy. And if you're going to do that dangerous job, you have to have a certain mentality. And he certainly brings that mentality of hitting the hole into the backfield on the regular formations as opposed to a kickoff return formation. Yeah, uh, seeing as how that this team can operate offensively, speaking about Arthur Smith's team, I'll hold off on that for a second. Jim Donovan, the voice of our Cleveland Browns, joins us right now on the show. Jim, first off, thanks for joining us. Second, you know, the Browns, it's it seems a little bit trite to talk about football here. Miles Garrett with the car accident. But Sunday, you got Atlanta coming up. This defense challenged with the injuries. Miles... We'll see if he's able to go. If he is able to go, what type of challenge does this defense have going up against a guy like Cordell Patterson in the in the second or in the backfield with Marcus Mariota, who looks a lot better under Arthur Smith's offense? Yeah, he really does. Um, you know, Arthur Smith is uh, he's an intriguing coach. He's got a very invade and inventive mind for offenses. I thought he did a great job in Tennessee. You know, guys, I remember. His first game as the offensive coordinator with the Titans was the opening game here in Cleveland a couple of years ago, and people were saying, who the heck is this guy, Arthur Smith? And and he came in and really, you know, they took apart the Browns. I mean, the Browns had a big hand today with about 21 penalties on the game. But, I mean, you know, he really put together a really good offense in Tennessee, and I think he's just throwing everything up against the wall, you know, right now down there in Atlanta and seeing what works, and he's got really – Big people, and Patterson is one of them, and Pitts is the other one, and Drake London is another one. They're really big guys, and Mariota looks very, very comfortable. I think the challenge, Ken, is that I think that Mariota can really hurt you if he gets outside the pocket and becomes an athlete because he's a really good athlete, and he can hurt you with his legs, maybe even more than his arm. And, Jim, from watching what I've seen of Mariota so far, I've actually been impressed, it seems like to me, Jim, that he's – Got a pep in his step, and granted they're only one and two, but it's but it just appears again that he has a command of the offense and really has this energy about him. Do you agree with that assessment best based upon what you've seen thus far? Yeah, I think so, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a time for him. It's a great opportunity for him, Gerard, because, you know, he was with the Raiders and he was playing behind Derek Carr, and they would have a small package of plays for him to come in, but it was no mystery when he came in what was going to happen. He was going to run the football. He was going to take the, a shotgun snap and, and have a, an option of running or throwing, and it was more running than throwing. But this is a great opportunity. I mean, they've handed him the job to be the starting quarterback. Is he the longtime quarterback in Atlanta? Probably not. I mean, probably not. Maybe it is the kid that plays behind him in the future, you know, from Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter. But, I mean, for now I think that he gets the opportunity – a little bit like Baker Mayfield down in, in Carolina, mm-hmm. to show the league what he's got. And I still think what he's got is what made him so successful in college, too, is that he is a real athlete, a la, you know, not to this level, but 
you know, a la, of course, you know, the guy in Lamar Jackson, the guy in mm-hmm. Baltimore. Right. I, I agree. I see it. I see him moving around. I see the activity. Another thing that I think, considering what you do on Sundays, how weird is it going to be to see a guy win a number 84 Run the back, running the football like he's a running back, and he should have a, a twenty or a thirty number. Yeah, I, I have to tell you, I know that you know people have changed their numbers now, and you see linebackers like you know, you know Anthony Walker wearing you know number five, and you know, and, and guys doing that. But to see a running back wearing number eighty-four, um, legitimately too, with all of his talents that he could do as a receiver and a kick returner, and now as a running back. Uh, it, it really it does startle you a great deal. Uh, he is really a terrific player so far for them. I mean, he really had a great ball game last week in Seattle where he had 141 yards rushing in the game, a lot of it in the second half, and he runs with such power. I mean, it reminds me a little bit when the Browns tried to put Josh Cripps in the backfield, you know, and Josh was, of course, a very, very well-documented, uh, exciting kickoff and punt return guy. And that's Patterson kind of cut his teeth that way, too. And they kind of hit runs like their returns. They hit them fast and they hit them hard. And, and that's what he does. Uh, he's going to be a handful on Sunday. Yeah, and coming into this season, a lot of people were saying, oh, the Falcons are playing for a draft pick. This is a waste season. When I watch him play, Jim, I don't get that sense and feel. It seems like a football team trying to win games to me. Agreed. No doubt about it. I mean, they lose by one in their opener to uh, the Saints. And I'll tell you, and I know I don't want to bring back a bad memory, but I will for a reference point here, what the Jets did to us in, ouch, in mm-hmm. week two, um, really the Falcons almost did the same thing to the Rams. Yep. The Rams had a huge right. lead on them, and all of a sudden Atlanta came charging back and had the ball, uh, and Mariota got picked off throwing into the end zone right at the end of the game. And then last week, I mean, I know it's not Russell Wilson and those Seahawks, okay, but still to go into Seattle and handle your business. And remember this, guys, they were on the road for about eight days. They played out there in L.A. with the Rams and stayed out on the West Coast and then went to Seattle and played that game last week. And uh, to go in there and win against that crowd and that 12th man, very, very impressive. Jim, we thank you very much for the time. We'll talk to you again coming up on Sunday. Absolutely, guys. Have a good night. Thank you, you too. The voice here, Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, joining us on the show. When we come back, we'll tell you what's to come in the Kevin Stefanski Show and our schedule coming up on Sunday morning. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw, if you don't play the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team, and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Kim Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Thursday night, it's the Kevin Stefanski Show. You're going to want to be listening to it, friends. The great Gerard Cherry, the great Nathan Zagura, the great coach Kevin Stefanski. It's going to be a good time. You're going to want to be paying attention to it because it's going to be at Slim and Chubby's on Prospect Road in Strongsville. Meet Browns kicker Cade York. Check out Thursday Night Football as the guys get you ready for Sunday's game against the Falcons. And then 9 a.m., Browns game day. Gerard Cherry and myself, 11 a.m. on Sunday. It will be Browns, the Cleveland Browns kickoff show with my Myself, Andy Baskin, Tyvis Powell, 1 p.m. Kickoff, Jim, Nathan, Gerard from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Gerard, what are you yes. looking forward to on Sunday, buddy? Tell us I'm real quick. to a very physical and competitive football game and see how we match up and see if we bring the energy and bring the 
bring the production and bring the execution. We do those things. We have a great chance to win this football game, but it's not going to be easy. This is a football team that will battle with you till the end. So I'm looking forward to this game and see how we fare. And bring that heat defensively. Tony Fields with his hair on fire back on Thursday. Remember, the Kevin Stefanski Show Thursday night, Slim and Chubbies in Strongsville. Cade York will be there. Nathan and Gerard will be there. Then it gets started 9 a.m. with Browns game day, taking you up to 1 p.m. Kickoff, Jim, Nathan, Gerard, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. For executive producer Jason Gibbs, Meredith Kane, associate producer Connor Lawrence. For Gerard Cherry, I'm Ken Carmen, thanking you for listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Join us next week for more behind-the-scenes Browns news from Berea. We always look at each game as how do we win this game, and what does this game call for? This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts of the game without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.